doing across, across North Texas that it was called Love Your Neighbor Weekend. And the whole idea was to get the church outside the walls and get them to go and, and knock some doors and do some things a little bit outside of our comfort zone. And the whole idea was that they would take like a section at a time and go through and there would be a, that each church would be assigned an evangelist and they would, could speak that Sunday. And so you would go through and you'd knock doors and, and kind of stir people up and try to invite friends and get the house full and then have a guest evangelist. And, and being the, the good, the good uh, submissive person that, that I was to the authority that is over me, we participated. Even though that meant being assigned an evangelist that I'd never met before. And you can imagine my thoughts of saying, okay, so you're sending me somebody to speak that I don't know who he is or know anything about him. And uh, so I, I got the name, and the name was Levi Lutz. I was like, okay. It's okay, okay, that's kind of a cool-sounding name. Don't know anything about him. So I, I got his phone number, and I reached out to him before that day came because we knew in advance what was going on. I said, hey, is there any way we could meet for lunch maybe halfway or something, just meet for lunch and just I kind of like to get to know you and you get to know us and just you know, kind of see, okay, how's this going to fit? And so I'll, I'll never forget we had lunch that day, and I'd actually forgotten about it to you mentioned this morning. But uh, we're sitting there, and we're meeting each other for the first time, and we're talking, and, and he makes some hand gesture, and he knocks his drink over right into my lap. And uh, and just, you know, kind of an interesting conversation. But the more he talked and the more we hung out together, have you ever had somebody that just you just clicked on a spiritual level? And I immediately knew this wasn't just an assignment from the district. This was a God assignment. And so we developed a friendship that day that has continued, and we had great services that weekend. And, and we've talked back and forth about doing this in the past, and just his schedule, our schedule. And finally this weekend, we said, you know what, let's, let's make this happen. And so Levi's here, and Levi's a dear friend, a, a great evangelist, a man that loves God, loves outreach, loves speaking truth and so we had a great first service and so i believe you're in for a treat so i want you to welcome my friend levi lutz this morning praise god bless you very honored by that pastor this is truly one of my dear friends we uh oh man 19 years on the road as an evangelist, never, ever had that happen before that moment. That's like, there, there are like three things, and I won't share all of them, but there's like three things that you just, you know, it's like having one of those dreams where you go to school and forget your clothes. You hope never, ever happens as an evangelist. That was one of them. And I pray the Lord deliver me from the other two. Uh, pastor and, and First Lady after that, they, uh, they took me to some great restaurants, but they required that I have a sippy cup. <laughs> Amen. But it's been good. Praise God. I'm going to encourage you all to uh, get up earlier, start joining the, the, the early service. I shared with them that uh, I went, you know, really easy on those guys. It was kind of a message of, uh, you know, there's the big bad devil, and he's, he's out there to, to uh, steal the destiny God has for your life, and we need to stay away from that guy. But I told him, I said, I'm going to hit the second group hard, and uh, this is the message that's going to offend everybody. So praise God that you came to this service. I'm, I'm just, I'm not Calvinist, but I'm just Calvinist enough to believe that God knew who was going to be here and who needed it. Yeah. Amen. See, pastor agrees. So that's established among a couple of witnesses. Before I get into the word, I've got a couple of dear friends here. Brother Mark, stand up, wave at everybody. 
This brother Mark, this brother's been radically saved, set free from just a life of hell, just like I was. And he's, he uh, is part of one of the ministries we have here in Texas. Uh, I'm actually now working with the ministry out of uh, Orlando, Florida. But our ministry planted here in Texas still goes on. And brother, brother uh, Mark right here is, is about to graduate out of that ministry and uh, actually go into winning souls and, and helping men that have struggled with the same, same background. Also, I have my friend here. We call him Brother Neon, but Evangelist Alex Finch. And I'm going to invite him just for a moment. And he is an evangelist, so just for a moment. And, uh, but I want him just to share his heart with us. Seventy um. percent. <laughs> this guy's intense, man. Seventeen different places, desperately seeking help, desperately hated my life, hated who I was, hated what drugs did to me, and I, I tried everything, everything that the world had to offer, everything that they said to do, every program, every step, everything. I tried with all my heart, and it always left me back where I was, but not just back where I was, because the Bible says something about once a man's house is clean, and he goes back to that life, seven more spirits come in, more evil than the first, and I'm, I'm here to testify that is biblical, it is truth, as is everything else in the Bible. Um, I came to a point, point in my life, I was a gang member, I was a, a drug dealer, I was a horrible, horrible, abusive husband, uh, uh, just a deadbeat dad. I was a horrible, evil person, and I hated my life, and I wanted to die. My mother committed suicide when I was 17 years old. I know exactly how she felt. January 17th, uh, 2017, I was standing in the streets cursing God for everything that, that was in me. I, I didn't know that if God existed, I was never taken to church, but I figured if there was a God that he hated me because I had lived 29 years of my life doing everything I could to just spit in God's face. Two days later, I ended up in a program called Teen Challenge. Praise God. Where I, ex <clears throat> I experienced something in Teen Challenge that I'd never known in this world. There was something there. There was something tangible there, and it was the self-sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. These people loved me even though I, I hated everybody. They cared about me because Jesus cared about me. I didn't even have shoes on my feet. I had blisters and sores so bad on my feet that I couldn't even walk. They had to carry me up to the first mm -hmm. chapel. The first chapel service, I felt something. It was the tangible presence of God broke me to tears. Somebody came up to me and said, it looks like you've been through enough pain in your life. I said, brother, you have no idea. He said, are you ready to get rid of that pain? I said, yes, and I'm in it with all my heart. He said, come down to the altar, give your life to Jesus. Amen. I came down to that altar. I gave Jesus a life that I hated. I didn't know if God was real, but I said, if God, if you're real, you can have my life. I don't want it anymore. And that, that night at that altar, wow. he recreated my heart, my mind, everything on, about me was different when I got up and I had a purpose. I had a joy. I had a peace. And th throughout the whole program, God gave me a supernatural grace, just on fire the whole time. And, uh, he called me to go to Bible college, uh, out here in Texas. So, uh, I transitions out here to Texas, and I, I get plugged up with Brother Brother Levi. And not only did Brother Levi say, yeah, come come stay at my house. I want to meet you. And uh, he, he not only said, come stay at your house, but the very next day he said, I want you to live with me. I want you to be a part of my family. He, he showed me another aspect of God that I didn't even know was, was there. He said, I've... I, come sit at my table with my family and it just it's just been on and on and on i'm going to bible college i'm pursuing credentials with the, with the assemblies of amen. god not because i want to because god called me to and, amen uh, come on so i stand on that and i just i just uh, thank you this is an amazing oh, man. man i'm so grateful to be a part of his family i love you man we need we need evangelists like this guy i love him man he was a gift from god to my life and uh, i don't get to see him as much as i want to i'm, I'm going and when i get back he's leaving and but uh, I did recognize him when he came in this morning. 
We're going to talk a little bit this morning. Uh, actually, let's, let's go ahead and ask the Lord to speak to us. This is something I do. This is not a, you know, we're not being Catholics. This is not a repetitive prayer. Uh, but there's a prayer that, that I have you guys pray with me. And the reason for that is this. Uh, I, I, you know, I go to services, and uh, there are all kind of things, um, if we would be honest, that could dis- distract us from receiving the Word of God at a core level, with, you know, just busyness and stress and all the things that go on outside in the world, even for the for the ones that are coming maybe that need salvation. The Bible says, you know, five seeds are planted, four of those are likely to fall by the wayside. So we, there's, a, there's a warfare over the Word of God. If I would be transparent, and I know this has never happened to pastor, but there are times where it doesn't matter if I'm ministering or I'm going to receive, you know, I'll get in the car, bless God, I have a great marriage, I have wonderful kids, wonderful wife. But as soon as we head for the house of God, uh, it's like all hell will break loose. Amen. Uh, just being real. So there's a lot of things that are there to destroy and steal the life-giving word of God. So, but the Bible says, the Bible, Billy Graham would always, you know, the Bible says, but the Bible says that if we ask him for bread, he's not going to give us a stone. He's a good father. If we ask him for a fish, dad, give us a fish. He's not going to give us a snake. And so we're going to ask the Lord together. This is not magic words or some spell I'm going to put on you. But we're going to ask the Lord together to speak to us this morning. Is that all right? And if we ask him, he's going to do it. Amen? Pray this prayer with me out loud. Dear Jesus, plow the field of my heart. Plant the seed of your word deep within me. Let it bring forth harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, man, you guys did a good job. We're going to have an illustration in a moment. Um, I have uh, uh, these, uh, you go in my office statement. Now, I was, I was blessed, and I just say this for free points, but anybody in the house familiar with Leonard Ravenhill at all? They had the, 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 amen, three of us, hallelujah. I love Leonard Ravenhill, and we were, we were blessed a couple of years ago. My wife and I bought the home of Leonard Ravenhill, and uh, so I, I get to prepare my messages in his studies. I get up in the morning when I'm home, seek God in the study, and I have, if you, if you were to come into my office, there are all these just crazy illustrations all over, and, and people will be like, you know, I bet that was a funny sermon. I bet that was, you know, a cute word. No, if I bring an illustration, we're not quite ready yet, but if I bring an illustration that's real goofy, um, the guys that travel with me or know my life, they, they kind of brace themselves because the only way I'm bringing any sugar is if we're going to need a little bit of sugar to let the medicine go down, okay? So I'm going to work with you here. I'm going to try to make this easy. I'm going to try to make this digestible. Uh, don't get offended at me. I'm doing all that I can do. But uh, just don't, don't think you're getting off easy when you see the little goofy illustration. I'm going to talk about being a sheep this morning. Uh, there are many of us men would poke our chest out, you know, I'm not a sheep, you know, and, until we sin, and then we quote the scripture, we all like sheep have gone astray. But the Bible calls us sheep. The Bible says he's our shepherd. The Bible calls us sheep. I've been preaching on every kind of animal the last few weeks. I've been preaching on the fox is not your friend. I preached on the eye of the tiger. I've been preaching on David fighting the lion and the bears. It's getting to where it looks like the Discovery Channel uh, coming to our meetings. But this morning, we're going to talk about being sheep. Here are some sheep facts that have absolutely nothing uh, to do with the word of the Lord. You might write this down. I just found them fascinating. (laughs) Sheep have, and I don't know if you knew this, Pastor. You've been dealing with sheep a long time. But sheep have rectangular pupils that allow them to see 320 degrees of vision. That's interesting to me. Sheep have apparently excellent facial recognition skills. They did a scientific experiment where they had two like shoots, and they had on one side a picture of their shepherd that was very happy. This is I read this, and one where they had a picture of the shepherd that was very angry, 
And the sheep ran from the one and went to the other. I think that's really cool. I mean, I didn't. It was on Google. It's got to be true. Sheep make friends for life. They mate for life, and they will even make friends with, with other male or female sheep, and they're loyal to them for life. And apparently they have, I don't know how they calculated this, but they say they have the ability to store, like, like uh, intellectually, these relationships, about 70 friends. And, and they remember them, and they, they, they grieve if something happens to them. This is, this is documented fact. In Turkey, in 2005, and you can probably spiritualize this one, but in 2005 in Turkey, a particular sheep, it didn't mention any names, but a particular sheep committed suicide. He uh, began running and he just continued to run and he ran right off the side of a cliff. And the reason this made national news is because right behind him, 1,500 other sheep, one, two, three, 1,500 sheep <laughs> run off the side of the cliff. And they had to get, like, animal control out there to stop these sheep from just mass committing suicide because this one guy, I don't know, I read it. It was in Turkey, and I've seen this happen in the house of God, amen. <laughs> Hebrews 13, this is not our text, but I'm reading it, so you think that we're, we included the Bible today. Hebrews 13, 20, the Lord relates us to this. It says, now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do his will, do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. He does through us, or he works in us, what brings him joy. That was kind of the last message. Through Jesus Christ, to whom the glory is glory forever and ever. Amen. Of course, the 23rd Psalms, the Lord is our shepherd. John 10, 27, my sheep know my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We have... In Christendom, all these cute little, you get on like Christian Facebook, all these cute little memes and lessons we learn from sheep. There's one about a shepherd that breaks the leg of the sheep. You know, I don't know, I've never, I don't know if this is factual, but it preaches good. Breaks the leg of the sheep and uh, then heals it in his own house and he stays closer to the shepherd and they, they tie a cute little bell around their neck and uh, all the other sheep know to follow that bell sheep. There, there's a meme about uh, the shepherd pours oil on the head of the sheep. And uh, it keeps mites out of his head or something. These are all really cool. They have nothing to do with what we're preaching this morning. Hallelujah. Turn your Bible to Ezekiel. We're going to talk about a different kind of sheep. Pastor said we should have we should have canceled the second service. <laughs> Ezekiel 34, verse 17. Ezekiel 34, 17. Different kind of sheep. The Lord has already dealt with the prophets. And then verse 17, he says, As for you, my flock, that would be the house of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, or look, I judge now between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. We're not talking about, we're not talking about sheep and goats. We're talking between sheep and sheep. Verse 18, Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of the pasture? And to drink of clear water, that when you're done, you go out and muddy the rest of the water with your feet. And must my sheep eat what you have trodden down with your feet, and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Verse 20, therefore, thus saith the Lord God to them, look, behold, I myself will now judge between the fat sheep 
and the lean sheep. Because you push with the, you, the side shoulder, that means you're, the fat sheep are knocking the skinny sheep out of the way when it's time to eat. Because you push with the side shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. And they shall no longer be prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant <coughs> David, and he shall feed them. And he shall feed them, the Bible says, and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them, and I, the Lord, have spoken. Now we have here fat sheep and lean sheep. There might be those in the house today that are in many different spiritual fitness conditions we could be one who's starving there I, I go to churches around america many times there's those that are starving for a word from god and one of the signs of somebody truly starving is you get you get so hungry and i'm not talking about you miss you know uh, you're on a diet you miss breakfast i'm talking about you're, you're you're clinically starving you get to a point your body tries to counteract you don't even know you're hungry anymore you get to the point if you try to eat it, even the thought of it would make you sick and i've seen believers and I've seen lost people, pastor, that get in such a condition knowing the only answer for their life is the word of God, to get in the house of God. But even the thought of that, it's like the enemy blocks that. And they're like, nothing would be more stressful or seem more difficult than to dig into the word. They'll say things, I just can't comprehend the Bible. I, I just No, what you're saying is I can't digest food anymore because I'm in such a dangerous state of starving to death. You say, well, I just don't know how I feel about church anymore. I just not, you know, I'm not into that. No, that means you've been away so long the enemy's lied to you and deceived you to a point that you don't even know how dangerous it is that you don't eat. Then you have those maybe that are very physically fit. You know, the, the, I guess the idealistic would be we're taking in tons of food and then we're working it off so fast in the kingdom of God and just spiritual exercise, love, and, and good deeds. And we're out preaching the gospel and evangelizing, healing the sick, casting out devils. Being the book of Acts church to the point that we're taking in tons of food, burning off the calories, building tons of muscle. Our, our, our little spiritual sheep looks something like Brother Neon. Got, I hope that that's the case. But what he's addressing in Ezekiel here is fat sheep. We can bring that illustration on up. And... Uh, no, I don't, uh, yeah, don't bring his house, just put him up. This guy right here, this is, my goodness, you're going to hurt him. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, we're going to practice this. Amen. I've taken this guy through all kind of airports in America. But this is, this is your average church member. This is the fat sheet. Okay, now we're not, we're not trying to be politically correct that he's, you know, he's this portly guy. Amen. We're going to sit him there. And uh, every time you get mad, just look at the cute little fat sheep. Hey, Amen. Can we do that? Are we all right? James 2.17, very familiar. It says, faith without works is dead. We're going to talk about the conditions of obesity in the house of God. Because we laugh at these things. We think they're funny. But I, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm, man, I love this house. But when I look at America in a desperate state, I mean, you, you go, especially amongst Pentecostals, Everything is revival, revival, revival. I love revival, and I was born in revival. Revival, but, but to, to, to need, be in a condition that we so desperately need revived, somebody must admit we're dead. And you won't, you, no one admits that we're in any kind of deficient condition. I, I, you know, and this is a great church, but, but by and large, the Christians in America, man, you would think that we were just all John the Baptists. Everybody's an apostle or a prophet. Everybody's an evangelist now, and, and if the pastor questions me, I don't need him because I've just I've grown into a higher office. As soon as we get done with the pastor, we're just appointing ourselves apostle. We ain't never planted nothing except 
division, but we're appointing ourselves an apostle and we go on. And there's no admittance that we're in a dangerous state. And so I begin to pray about this. This stuff terrorizes me. This is not something I just preach or go through the motions of. Like, this is real to me. Because I'm catching it on the other side where I'm watching people fall out of the church over just foolishness. I got rebuked by a pastor the other day for saying stupidity from the pulpit, but foolishness. It's King James. And and things that are that are just... It's like when you go, I mean, pastor was talking last time we went on the streets and man, we saw some powerful things, but you find so often on the streets of America, when you go out and evangelize, it's not that people are resistant to Jesus. It's that you have to disassociate yourself from some terrible misrepresentation of him that they've already experienced before you can even get them to believe you even know who he is. And as much as we would say, you know, kind of from the first message, we won't preach that again, but we'd say the guy across the hall lives that way. I have to ask myself, in what ways am I not looking like the book of Acts? Because I want that. And the only way to get that, you know, I mean, we God bless. I'm not trying to be negative, but it's like, we, we, you know, we're all Pentecostals. We're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, but the, the end result of that, and I, and I speak in tongues, and I believe in speaking in tongues, and I believe it's initial evidence, and God bless speaking in tongues. But every time in Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 8, anytime you see these things, there's a supernatural power that comes upon the people. There's a unity, amen. There's a, there's a forgetting. It's not, it's not just, you know, they became a commune and they sold everything, humanitarian aid. That wasn't the point. The point is they, they stopped caring about everything that wasn't eternal. They started living eternity conscious and my job and my savings and my material possessions Forget it. It's all going to burn anyway. Let's use that to further this gospel message that changed my life. That came along with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They had great boldness. The Bible says that the Spirit would come on them and empower them. I preached it last time. They would become like dead men. They were All they cared about was the, the, the carrying Jesus place to place and introducing him to people. My, my Spirit will come upon you, give you power to be my witnesses. That's what the Holy Spirit baptism looked like at Acts. And so what separated us from this? And I believe as I prayed into this, I believe this is what the Lord began to show me. I, I believe in a, you know, we've heard this stuff, but in a world so rich with the word of God and information, and you can, I mean, you can plug on the God TV. I've got wonderful friends with God TV. Turn on God TV, turn on, you know, and you can get such a great word. Or you come to churches like this all over America. There's never been a society anywhere that could so freely worship God. I'm talking in the history of the world. And if we were doing, and I'm not preaching works, everybody freaks out, but if we were doing, we would be packing on muscle. We would be the strongest, most powerful warriors the kingdom of God had ever seen. But because people have done and and still do around the world so much more with so much less, it's very possible that we've become obese and we look like this fat sheep. And these are the conditions of obesity. Number one. A person who is starving or fasting, you'd be better off starving than to be in this condition. A person who is starving or fasting appreciates every single morsel. But one who consistently overeats without burning any calories becomes very picky. Or we had a a word in the country where I grew up uh, as a child, a little small town, finicky, about their food. The writer of Hebrews said it like this. That my people have heard so much of the word, they've now become dull of hearing. And so, rather than, you know, 
I remember, and, and I still try to stay this way. My goodness, I try to stay this way. But as a, as a young believer, you know, what, what Alex was just sharing about, you know, I was burnt. I was on my way to hell, man. And when Jesus rescued me, it, it didn't matter if they were singing a hymn. There's certain, you know, it was certainly not all the stuff that goes on that we have to have in church today, but it didn't matter if they were singing a little hymn about the blood. I would weep and I would weep and I would weep. And you'd put somebody up there that was, you know, maybe wearing cowboy boots and he, he couldn't really hold a message for more than about 15 minutes. But I'd go home so full and I'd be like, yes, yes, that's the Jesus that saved me. That's the one right there. But we grow to a point, we'll go to a conference. We'll travel across America to a conference. We'll go out and we'll be like, hey, it, was, it was all right. It wasn't as good as last year. We'll go to church. Well, pastor, you know, God bless him. He tried, but it wasn't one of his best messages. My God, people have bled and died for this gospel. And I'm not saying that we need to, you know, we need to do things in the spirit of excellence. We need to give 100%. But we also need to check ourselves and see, is there anything really wrong with the word that's preached? Is anything really wrong with the resources? Or have we just taken in so much and done so little that we become so obese? I know that I'm not trying to be funny, but as I've gone on extended fast, the first thing that it does, I, I, I was in a different context talking in the morning service, but I feel very small and I'm aware of the bigness of God. God's so vast that I'm so little and insignificant. And then I become thankful for everything. I'm not, I'm not trying to be silly, but I've come off a fast before and been like, I'm going to eat a banana. Number one, that banana is about as exciting as a steak dinner. And number two, I'm, I mean, I'm, telling, I'm just being transparent. I've been like almost gone into some like, like hippie, you know, just weeping, touching like, oh. Jesus grew this tree because he knew this banana was going to be just for me. He grew that tree. He planted it for the foundation of the world so I could eat this banana. That's honest. That's how thankful I get. And it's like, mm, mm, mm. every morsel means something. And there are dying people who still feel that way about the word of the Lord. But do we feel that way? The most on fire of us, maybe we're on a, you know, Robert Murray McShane. I love McShane, but read through the Bible in a year plan. Read four chapters a day. Are we? Amen. Well, I'm going to make it in a year and go to nothing. And then I've had times where I'm in desperate need of the Lord. And I wouldn't get through a single sentence without weeping. I'd have to stop. And my God, he did that for me. He was pierced for my transgressions. Does the word of God mean that to us? We got to move. Number two, an obese sheep or person begins to exhibit a reduced level of energy and vigor. Do we even have to exegete that? Is it necessary to expound? The natural condition of this, what do you see, guys? What is our early state? When we get saved, it's almost a universal testimony or story. People come in, they're so fired up, they want to do everything. I just saw a young man in the meetings we were in. Uh, uh, several devils were cast out of him. He was a gang member. He got radically saved the very next night. He was there. We were baptizing hundreds of people. He was there handing out towels and serving and let me help you up the thing, let me help you down the thing and trying to pray for people. He was so excited. I mean, he would do anything. They'd get there early. Come, We're having services six nights a week, and he's coming to every one of them. Can't get enough. But we put on a little weight, and it's good to take in, but we stop doing as much. Next news you know, 
you know, I just feel like if we do that all the time, we're going to burn out. I mean, two services on Sunday, Sunday night, one on Wednesday. We're going to burn out like that. I've never seen anybody, nobody burns out chasing Jesus, okay? No, listen to me, all right? I'm tired of that. I'm tired of hearing that. Bonky says they don't burn out, they freeze out. Listen to me, all right? The, the seraphims, the Bible calls them, the, the word means the burning ones, from before there was time, have circled the throne. The Bible calls them the burning ones. Like I said, they circle the throne in a perpetual fire. And it's because their eyes are on him. And every lap, oh, he's holy. My God, he's holy. My goodness, he's holy. And they've never burned out. And he didn't even die for them. People burn out because we chase ministry. We burn out because we chase ambition. We burn out because even our prayer times and our word time become twisted up with pride and some kind of spiritual accomplishment that makes us a good Christian. And then as soon as the devil enters in and begins to deceive like he did Eve in the garden, we're separated from the, from the, the just being about our, you know, this happened in Ephesus. He said, my goodness, you're doing a lot of good things. You got a reputation like you're alive, but you're dead. You got to get back to your first love. Got to fall in love with him again. A reduced level of energy and vigor. Are we okay? Not as able to get around like we used to. Similar. There's a condition that befalls sheep. It's called being a cash sheep. And uh, I'm not, not trying to be, you know, whatever. But they, they, <laughs> they get this problem and they fill up with gas. They bloat and they just kind of puff around until something trips and they fall over. And then this blowed up gassy sheep, this is, look this up, they're stuck like that. They don't have the ability to turn themselves back over. And for some reason, the other sheep won't help them. Look this up. And so either it sits there until it dies in that bloated up gassy condition, or it requires the shepherd to come and turn it over, and it causes great distress to the sheep when it turns it over. You can't write this stuff, Pastor. This is pastoring 101. The... The eventual, we, we've taken in and we're not thankful for what we're eating. Our activity has gone down. The next thing that happens, and you're going to die in that condition if you don't have a shepherd of God that'll come and say, what's happening, sis? What's happening, brother? And you better embrace stuff like that because the natural response is, why are you asking me that? I've been in the church for 25 years. My goodness. Please send men and women of God into my life that will say, Brother Levi, are you okay? Please send men and women of God that will say, Man, I saw the way you burned. These are the kind of letters Paul used to write. These are the letters that, that, you know, that, that John wrote to the churches. And I know how you used to burn. What hindered you? Those are the people I wanted around me. They then become very lazy. Number four, Proverbs twenty-two thirteen. You don't have to turn there, but it's silly scripture. It actually repeats itself several times through Proverbs. But it's this person that says, there's a lion in the streets. There's a lion in the streets. Oh, I will surely perish. And my goodness, if something does not give us a snapshot of the church in America, there's this 
all these bad things are happening. The sky is falling and there's nothing we can do about it. Despite the fact that Rome fell as we preached the gospel and the blood of the martyrs spilled. Despite the fact they built the first churches uh, in Rome. And I've been there out of the marble that used to be on the Colosseum where they used to murder Christians. Or on Nero's circus. Or on Caesar's palace. They took that marble and built the, the early basilicas. Nations have risen and fall at the words of a prophet. But we say, oh, the homosexuals are marching. Abortion is running rampant. We better get ready to get snatched up out of here. And it's an abomination to God. Now, we need to look forward to his appearing. The Bible tells us that. I, I want every day to be with Jesus. But as long as I'm breathing air, I have a work to do. And that's great to nationalize, but that's in Rockwall. That's in Texas. That's in East Texas. That's in your neighborhood. Oh, the, you know, the Muslims have moved in down the street. Neighborhood's going to go. Go love on the Muslims. Share Jesus. That's what it looks like. If we're not, might be lazy. Might be saying there's a lion in the streets. We're all going to be divided. Go kill the lion. Amen. Mm -hmm. It's the later service. <laughs> I told you. Number five, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to land the plane. and It's okay. I want to come back. Number five, when they become obese, morbidly obese, like everything else, they begin to develop heart problems. The Bible tells us that he, his desire, he wants to take out a stony heart put in a heart of flesh a heart that feels now we could be in this house right now we could be a lost sheep we could be a sheep that doesn't have a shepherd that needs Jesus I understand that probably none of this made sense to you but you, the, the Holy Ghost of God will still convict a heart and draw him number two we could be the sheep that Jesus talks about that wandered away you've been in the fold but you know you backslid you know there's sin in your life you know there's things that you're doing now that Jesus, number one, would never do, and number two, you wouldn't have done when you were on fire for God, but things have come in and they've stolen from you. And we're going to have an opportunity to get that right. And number three, we could be a sheep who's remained in the fold, who's eight and eight and eight and eight, and every symptom right now, you even don't like that I'm saying this, but every symptom as we've laid it out could possibly apply to us. And I, I would say not trying to be bold or mean, but it's like if there's a possibility, if your life is not so abstractly different from that, that it's like anybody who knows knows I'm just the opposite of everything he just said. And, and, and truly that, it, you know, anybody, man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But truly like I go get them, man, I'm hungry for God. I can't get enough for the word of God. I, I, I'm disappointed when I have to leave my prayer closet. I eat, drink, and breathe souls. Like I'm just on fire. And, and my fire has grown since the day I got saved. If that's not your life, if you can be under the sound of the word of God and fall asleep in messages. I'm not mad. Your pastor's not mad. But you're in a dangerous, dangerous place. So the end result is you develop these heart problems. The stony heart comes. The arteries begin to clog. The blood can't flow right anymore. And what happens, Romans 1 says, we, as we continue in these ways, our consciences begin to be seared. And then we sit in there preaching like this, and we'll even say, ah, I gave it to him as a hard message. But it's not like, wow, Jesus. 
I mean, I remember doing little bitty things, it seems like, that were not very big as far as the world would see, but I would tremble in conviction. My heart would break. I knew that I had offended and hurt God. I, I remember a particular man, I was in a, in a, in a store, and, 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 and God told me to witness to him, and just kind of one thing happened, it was awkward, and he got away from me, and I couldn't share Jesus with him. And like a whole evening, I just begged God, please let me run into that man, please give me another chance. Please, Lord, don't let me stand on Judgment Day and I didn't share Jesus with him. You pointed him out and told me and I let you down. Then there's years go by and even myself, I can say, well, I'm an evangelist. I travel America. I talk to thousands of lost people. You know it. Can't reach them all. That's damnable. Jesus came, bled, and died to reach them all. So what we want to do, we can... Come to the keys. Any of those three things. We could be lost sheep. If you're lost sheep, I want to invite you to come. And I've been seeing a harvest like I've never experienced in my life. There's a time like never before the Lord wants to rescue and save those that are away from God. The backslidden sheep, it's just time to come home to Jesus. I don't, man, I'm not somebody that carries anything. Not that I matter anyway, but there is zero condemnation. Just come home to Jesus because, because Levi Lutz is a complete disaster outside of Jesus. It's hard for me to imagine, but I would even go as far as say probably your pastor is a complete disaster outside. We're all just mess-ups, except for whenever we're, we're tied into that vine. So the key is not fix yourself. The key is just come home to Jesus. You wandered away, you're about to get eaten by wolves. You know, we say, well, Jesus left the 99. He goes after the one. You know who else does that? The wolf. He goes after the one that wandered away. That's his specialty. And he devours them. I've got a message. Maybe one day I'll come and preach it called Wolf Meat. He devours the one that wanted, well, I'm just going to do it on my own. You know, it's a, it's a private thing between me and God. Me and Jesus got our own thing worked out. Yeah, you'll be dead in six months. Maybe we're in one of those two places or maybe this morning again, hopefully the alarm has gone off. As I've shared this word from the Lord and you say, I am a sheep, I am in his fold, I know he's a good shepherd and I'm faithful to walk with him. But I do see that I've been taken in and taken into the point I don't even appreciate. I've lost some fear of the Lord. Uzzah, man, God killed him dead because he was around the Ark of the Covenant. It was stored in his father's house. It became a common thing. And next news you know, he just reaches up to push that piece of furniture back on the cart. God kills him. We say, oh, how could God be so mean to Uzzah? It's a wicked thing that he did. All of Israel was fearful to even come near the Ark. This guy just slaps it back up on the cart. But you know what it did? It got the attention of the people of God. They forget the card idea. David fires the counselor. They start taking about a couple of steps. Holy, holy, holy. Take a couple of steps. Have a worship service. Holy, holy. That's how we ought to approach. And if that's not the fear of the Lord we're walking in, if a message like this doesn't at least terrify you to the point, I'm not trying to condemn, but terrify you to the point that you're searching yourself, there's about a 100% chance you need to be up here. So I'm going to pray a prayer for the enemy to loose our minds that we would see ourselves soberly. And when I get done, I want you to respond. I was very easy on these guys the first service. But we need to get right with God. I didn't come here to preach messages. I didn't come here as an orator or a priest. I'm really not that great. What I am is somebody that really, really loves Jesus and really, really likes to see people come to Jesus because he changes everything. That's what I came for this morning. Dear Jesus, I love you. You are my everything, Jesus. I am honestly nothing without you. 
And I want every person in this place, to be, including myself, to be absolutely as close to you, Jesus. Before we leave here, not after we leave, before we even leave here, as is possible on this earth and for us to live. So, Lord, to the, the one that's lost, draw their heart, Holy Spirit, to come and kneel and repent before God that you would save them. Let the joy of salvation wash over them. To the backslider, let them run home quick before the wolf gets them and run in the loving arms of a shepherd that's waiting. Getting right with God, washing the sin away. We say, well, there's shame if I come forward. No, there's shame if you sit back there. No shame in getting washed. There's shame in staying bound. But Lord, worst of all, Lord, help if we've become so, you know, the Pharisees, they heard hundreds of years of the prophets and the preaching. They memorized the word, but they become so fat and cold-hearted. They didn't even recognize you when you came. They were even offended and against what was your word, Lord. Lord, those of us, we love you, but we, want, we need to be activated. We need to shred down this deathly obesity, and we need to pack on spiritual muscle. We need to get about the Father's business. Even right now, convict hearts, Lord, sweep this house with a, a holy fear of the Lord, a spirit of repentance that would call us to come home. Because the thing that's amazing is the grace of God is waiting at these altars, the grace of God that empowers someone to be different. We don't have to try harder. we got to come to Jesus and say, I lay it down. Give me what you have, Jesus. And we exchange our failure for his success. The grace of God is not he's just going to forgive everything and, and, and all this unmerited. The grace of God, he's going to empower you to fulfill his will. He's going to even fulfill his will through you. So right now, Holy Spirit, I don't want one thing done out of emotionalism. I don't want one thing done out of some... Manipulation. But I want Holy Spirit to go to every heart. And I want you to have your way in every life in the name of Jesus. Across the building, I want you to come and I want you to hurry. If the Lord's touching you, if He's if He's drawing you, come. If there's even a chance, if you're like, well, what if come? Come and kneel before Jesus. In the first service, same. I'm not gonna come and mess with you. I just want you to be with Jesus. Come. Come on right now. Come on right now. Hurry. Hurry. Come on right now. Get up. My goodness, if we can't even get up off our seat, that might be a sign we're a little obese. Get up. Come. He's waiting. He loves you. He's not mad. He's calling because he misses you. He wants that fire again. He wants it to burn again. He wants it to burn like it never did before and never, ever, ever go out. He wants to birth the fire. You've seen Christians that were on fire. You say, I don't know how to get that. It's Jesus and he's here and you stop chasing revival and you look in his eyes and something will happen. You're going to bust forth in fire. It's going to melt away all that fat from around your heart. He's going to make it so sensitive. Right now, Lord, I pray a sensitive heart on every one of these altars. A soft heart before Jesus and before men. Touch them, Jesus. Touch them, Jesus. Touch them, Jesus. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost consume those that have, have positioned themselves in a humble, broken way before your throne and say, Jesus, I need mercy. I need mercy, Jesus. And let mercy not condemn them, but let grace empower them.
and let them burn in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Seek Him. Lean into Him. Don't rush this moment. Just lean into Jesus. We got time. Let Him touch you. This isn't about an altar call. It's about an encounter with the Lamb of God. Sing over them. I'm going to pray over them. But just, just block the world out and be right now you and Jesus. You know, I was thinking the sounds of people in the altars and tears and brokenness before the Lord. That's the sound I grew up around. And somewhere along the way, we've kind of lost that. We don't like the idea of being broken. We don't like the idea of confronting our shortcomings. We love the idea of taking those snapshots of the good moments and posting them online and making sure everybody knows that everything's good with us. Sometimes we just need a little jolt of honesty. We need to humble our hearts. Because if we're honest, this little sheep sitting there, there's a little bit of that in each of us. Because I know in my life, this is, this is what I do. But it's easy to let the business of running a church almost get in the way of pursuing God I was thinking about that and my mind went to Psalm 51 it's after David had been confronted by the prophet Nathan and here this man of God had fallen in a horrible horrible way And I love his humility. I love his brokenness. But there's a passage of scripture here that I've got highlighted because this is something that periodically I go back to and pray over my life. But here he is praying his prayer of repentance, and he says this. He says, Creating me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. And we, no matter who we are, at times we need to stop when to say, Lord, I've kind of drifted off the mark, creating me a pure heart again. Return me back to that pure state that I used to be when you first freshly washed me clean. And renew this steadfast spirit in me that would press on no matter what, that it didn't matter what other people thought or what other people said. Then he goes on to say, do not cast me from your presence. Or take your Holy Spirit from me. What a statement. He didn't mention his kingdom. He didn't mention the other stuff. He said, don't take your spirit from me. And then I love this last part. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Kind of lines up with what 
Levi was saying that, you know, there, we're one way when we're first saved. We're one way when we first have that joy and walk in that. And it's just like everything is so sweet. Everything's so wonderful. And somewhere along the line, we kind of lose sight of that. And he says, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. But what if the church returned to a willing spirit? Not when some new initiative is rolled out there instead of being met with skepticism and all the reasons that can't be done to have a willing spirit. Say, okay, let's do it. Let's move forward. You see, I don't believe that today is any mistake at all. I believe this is a strategic moment that we as a church need to kind of open our eyes and say, you know what, we need to kind of get back to our first love. We need to kind of step back into some things and and get back about the business that we're supposed to be about in the first place. Find our place, roll up our sleeves. Let God do work. I want to challenge you a couple of things. Tonight at 6 o'clock is our monthly prayer meeting. You know, that's a time when we can come together and we can truly pray over these things. We can pray strategic things and we can we can walk in. The early church gathered together and prayed and God moved. Well, trust me, there's a part of me that'd like to go home this afternoon and just prop up my feet and say, okay, I'm done for today. But I challenge you to you can all make it be here tonight at six o'clock and let's spend some time praying and digesting what God has spoke to us today and begin to put flesh and legs and, and muscle to it and then next Saturday we've got this outreach scheduled for a little area over there we're going to show some love to some people that are that don't have all the good things all the things that we have we set that aside, and and I've said many times, it's so easy for us to, I'm going to say, we can pull together a potluck or a barbecue, and, and people show up. You say, hey, let's have an outreach. Let's go feed some other people, and it's crickets. Let's break that cycle. Let's break that cycle. So I'm not going to keep going and going. I, God's spirit is here, but I want you to take that spirit with you. I want to let let this stew in your heart and in your in your spirit the rest of the day, and let and feed on it. Let it let it change you. Let it transform you. Let's get back to our first love. Let's get back to what we're supposed to do. Let's gather together tonight and let's seek His face together. Let's pray for the heavens to be open and His spirit to move and us to walk in that empowerment we're supposed to have. And then let's show up together next Saturday and let's reach out and love some people. You know what I noticed? Let me say this. A couple years ago, we did that outreach. We knocked on some doors and some things happened. But you know what's interesting to me? We really didn't have that many people show up at the church from that outreach, those that we talked to. But you know what I noticed after the weekend we did that? We were flooded with guests that God was sending our way because we had reached out and we had had the right attitude and the right heart. And all of a sudden he said, you know what, if they're going to be that kind of place, then I'm going to send people. 
And so if we get back to where we're supposed to be and do what we're supposed to be doing, I believe whether or not we see that person that you talk to get saved, he, that may or may not happen depending on where they're at. But you know what? You're planting seeds. But what will happen is that he will send those that are ready our way because these people will love them. These people will reach them. I don't know about you today, but I'm a little bit convicted today. And that's a good thing. It's not an offensive thing. It's a good thing. Matter of fact, I'd rather, much rather have a God that speaks to me through conviction than not being able to hear his voice at all. Because that's a dangerous place. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for who you are. Lord, let us realize that we desperately need you. None of us have arrived. None of us have it all together. And Lord, none of us are free from an assignment to reach those around us that are lost. Lord, let us reevaluate. Let us be a people that are more broken before you, that we walk in the fullness of what you have for us. Lord, there is so much more. Lord, the, the world needs this message that we have. Lord, what we have, what we walk in is what this world is missing. Lord, I'm just naive enough to believe when you said seek first your kingdom, your righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. I believe that you meant it. So Lord, let us get back to the business of seeking. Let us get back to the business of pursuing. Let us get back to the business of actually having the boldness and the guts to say, Lord, break my heart. Let me become broken before you and renew that steadfast spirit within me. Lord, I ask you to be with everyone today. Lord, bring us back together this tonight and this Wednesday and next Saturday. Lord, let us walk with a little different outlook as we leave this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you all.